Good morning again, and thank you for the privilege of being here with you today. Dear God, so far I haven't cheated anyone, haven't envied anyone, haven't felt badly about anyone, haven't violated any of the commandments that I know of, but I'm going to get out of bed in a few minutes and then I'm really going to need your help. Three teenage girls were in a Mexican fast food restaurant in Midtown Sacramento, uh, near First United Methodist Church, where I had once served as pastor and uh, had the privilege of, of sharing in ministry with Kelly for a part of that time that was a delight. One of the girls is a member of that church. But none of them live in the neighborhood. They were just in Midtown that day. They picked up their combo plates, and um, as they were sitting down at one of the sidewalk tables on J Street, a rather disheveled man with a distinct odor, but an engaging smile, even though he was missing several teeth, approached the girls. Two of them immediately turned their eyes away, and began scoping out their escape route. The third, however, to the astonishment of the others, said, Oh, hi, Galen. Hey, I've got two enchiladas here, way more than I can eat. Would you like one? The man gratefully accepted, and the two exchanged a few more pleasant words before he went on his way. You know that guy? You know his name? Came two voices in unison. Well, yeah. Uh, the youth in our church serve Sunday breakfast to homeless persons, and Galen's one of the regulars. We sit and talk over breakfast sometimes. In the story that Sid just read from Luke's Gospel, Jesus and his friends have crossed the Sea of Galilee to uh, another region not far away, but a little different. It's a Greco-Roman province, much more cosmopolitan than the fishing villages on the other side. And as they step out of the boat, a man with obvious signs of emotional disturbance comes toward Jesus. The man's aberrant behavior, apparently he was prone to screaming and tearing off his clothes, things like that had prompted others to label him demon-possessed. They forced him to live on the far edge of the town among the tombs, an area most often avoided because virtually everyone believed it was contaminated by evil spirits. Jesus apparently thought this superstition was, yeah, superstition, hogwash. To the astonishment of the tormented, rejected man, not to mention the disciples. Jesus asks, what's your name? Think about that. Wonder how many times before this occasion do you think anyone had asked this poor fellow's name? What's my name? 
Just call me Legion. Some modern translations use the word mob, and that's probably more accurately translated as an unruly mob. I'm hearing so many voices, I don't know who I am. Elizabeth O'Connor wrote a book entitled Our Many Selves and reminds us in it that as prominent psychologists and behavioral uh, theorists have noted, inside us dwell many identities. They accumulate through the stages of our development, our experiences, our relationships, and they're often diverse and sometimes at war with each other. The Apostle Paul wrote, What is it within me that I always do what I'm determined not to do and can't seem to do what I know I should? This ages-old tendency, of course, uh, to blame it on demons is something that's a part of virtually every culture. To regard all our negative instincts as intruders, imposters, to be driven out when we find that true self. The online satirical magazine, The Onion, has a line of birthday cards. They're not, they're not easy to find, but they're, they're terrific. One of them shows a picture of a young man who's obviously not together sprawled on a cluttered sofa and the caption says Justin, age 38 calls off search for self transactional analysis suggests that there are various selves within us that represent these unresolved stages of development and you know, we still harbor a hurt child the, the jealous and fearful parts of ourselves that at times would like to be in charge of what we do. The way that portrayal strikes me is if we, if we think about it, mental health and wholeness is a daily challenge. It's a recurring challenge, kind of like the, the challenge of a teacher trying to get a group of kindergartners across the street safely. They're not always inclined to go the same direction. But everybody matters even though we may need to dodge a few demons from time to time. So this wild man is screaming at Jesus at the top of his lungs. Jesus looks him in the eye and quietly asks, What's your name? What's your name, son? Jesus knows this young man has to see himself as a human being again. And when he does, the demons panic. The demons evicted and on the run are delightfully personified in this story, begging Jesus to let them take refuge in the pigs. And they hit the hogs like a swarm of hornets, and the pigs run right off the cliff. If somebody had captured that on YouTube, can you imagine? It'd be everywhere. What happens next? The camera swings back to Mr. Legion, who's sitting there calmly, fully clothed and the story says in his right mind Jack Nicholson plays scandalous characters quite often in the movies and one of my favorites is his character of Melvin Udall in the movie As Good As It Gets he's absolutely despicable in every way Um, but eventually 
a waitress named Carol, who uh, was played by Helen Hunt, was consistently confronting every ugliness that he exhibits, eventually comes to love him. And finally, as things are changing drastically inside him, he blurts out, I can't get back to my old life. She's evicted me from my life. The response was, well, did you really like it all that much? I'm just fair, well, three, four years ago, on um, one of the uh, one of my trips to Palestine and Israel, we had a group. Um, I'm going to share a little more about that just just briefly because of the picture on the bulletin, which I didn't realize was going to be there, but Kelly snuck it in there. Um, there was. We went to visit uh, one of our United Methodist mission-supported projects titled, uh, named Four Homes of Mercy. It's a, um, it's a residence and rehabilitation facility for severely handicapped persons. It's um, you know, out on a hilltop on the West Bank on a, kind of a lonely road. It's kind of an isolated spot. and uh, you know, These are people who are marginalized within a society which is marginalized. Um, but you know, we walk. I have to tell you, my first visit to a nursing home many, many, many years ago frightened the daylights out of me. It, it, it just essentially immobilized me. And I know why it was. It was because I could see myself there someday. I could see people that I love, my family members, in a situation. That this particular in this particular instance um, looked very degrading and isolating. Um, anyway, we walk into this four homes of mercy. The attendant opens the double doors after explaining a little about their program, and I had that same feeling I did the first time I walked into a nursing home. I, I was I was immobilized. Um, the people in this room were in beds and chairs and many with very, very extreme physical disabilities and many with emotional disabilities. But there was a young man in our group, his name is Austin. Austin is, has a kind of autism that is not withdrawn, on the, uh, just the opposite, Austin is very, very outgoing, kind of compulsively outgoing, and, and very warm, very trusting, and very vulnerable. That's probably the biggest, the biggest issue with, with his disability is his, his vulnerability. But I open the doors, and most of us are kind of just standing back thinking, okay, where, where, where do we, what direction do we walk next, and uh, who do we, do we approach any of these persons? Austin, by that time, is already hugging and smiling and laughing and grabbing people's hands and, and whatever body parts are available. And, and uh, he's, he's just um, effusive. And what's happening? He's getting it back in response. People who appeared 
a few moments before to be catatonic, just, you know, just completely paralyzed. Uh, some of them are paralyzed physically. But all of a sudden, the expressions, the smiles, the laughter started. And uh, Austin was telling them his name, introducing himself, asking their names. And as I said, just completely without inhibition, hugging and embracing these these marginalized, isolated individuals, and their response was was just um, delightful. And I'm I'm standing here thinking, now which of us has a disability? We are so often um, walled off by our fears and what they do to us. As I mentioned, I. I I had intended this story as part of this message, uh, but I have another one I'd like, I'd like to share as a result of realizing what Kelly put on the bulletin, that, that the wall that is on the bulletin is uh, essentially the separation wall. I call it without apologies, the apartheid wall that, uh, that is virtually all of it on Palestinian land and encroaching further, uh, separating two populations. Uh, however, on the Palestinian side of the wall is, is a rapidly, exponentially increasing number of settlements that are illegal under international law. But over the past 27 years, I've been there like about 16, 17 times on extended visits, taking um, study groups, studying biblical history, historical geography, people-to-people groups, volunteer work teams, We've worked with Jewish and Palestinian uh, women's, a women's agricultural project that's now about 25 years old uh, in Israel, in the Galilee region, and at a Palestinian school in the West Bank that, in, that includes um, Israeli Jewish teachers teaching Hebrew to Palestinian kids. Um, and most recently... The trip we were on with with Austin was we were establishing the first ever United Methodist Global Partnership with an entire Muslim village, the village of Wadi Fokin near Bethlehem. Um, And this village is filled with the most wonderful, wonderful people that have been dear friends now for many years. And uh, the village itself is being inundated day and night with raw sewage deliberately being poured upon them from the uh, illegal settlement above, which is situated on stolen land and, and com- commandeering uh, the water and the other resources, subsidized with our tax money. Um, but without going further into that, a man named Miko Peled, who lives in San Diego, he's in his... Uh, He's an Israeli Jew. He grew up in, uh, in Israel. Um, his father, Miko's father, was uh, the prominent general, uh, chief of staff of the generals of uh, the Israeli army during the Six-Day War. And Miko's father, General Peled, uh, advocated at the end of the Six-Day War in 1967, after the conquest of the, the territory, Insisted that immediately there ought to be a Palestinian state. Unfortunately, he was uh, overruled, shoved into the background, and, and not heard from much again in public life. Uh, but his son, Miko, has, has been uh, extremely dedicated 
as part of an organization, Palestinian and Jewish families who have lost loved ones to violence um, on a project of reconciliation. Uh, Miko has, uh, goes back and forth and participates with Palestinians in nonviolent demonstrations against the wall. And one of the things that I identified immediately when, uh, uh, with immediately when Miko described it to me was the, the signs. In addition to that, to that wall, there are bright red signs everywhere if you visit, if you're on the Israeli side, that say, forbidden, dangerous, Insta- uh, entry constitutes a felony. Do not cross this fence or this line. And, and Miko said, you know what I discovered the first time I, I crossed that fence? I worked my way through the barbed wire. You know what I found? I found people going to work, kids going to school with their backpacks. A few hours later, children coming from school carrying their musical instruments, going to music lessons, people hugging one another and smiling, going back and forth to work as best they could. Those fences and walls have nothing to do with security. They only enclose what we want to wall off because they want us to imagine that on the other side of the wall are animals whose only thoughts are of how they can destroy us. This past Wednesday, I testified before an assembly committee, the legislature, against yet another piece of legislation intended to essentially criminalize uh, criticism of Israeli policy on college campuses and, and other manners. It's a continual battle. But, but there are walls everywhere in our lives, of course, not just this, with regard to uh, people from uh, no matter what their ethnic identity or their social economic condition. Every, every time we turn around, we turn around, we're running into a wall that we have created or someone has suggested that we create. There are so many aspects of this story that could be pursued. It's one of my favorite stories. Um, one tiny little uh, facet of it that I'd like to point out just because it's extremely amusing is that a man named Clarence Jordan, who's a, a pioneer in interracial um, and inter-ethnic uh, cooperation in this country, who founded Koinonia Farms, out of which came eventually uh, Habitat for Humanity because of Miller uh, Fuller's participation in Koinonia Farms. Clarence is probably the only person in history, the only person I've ever known, who raised the question, what are all those hogs doing there? Across the lake from a district that forbids consumption of pork. He said, I have a sneaking suspicion that there was some bootleg ham operation going on. Why would someone be raising 2,000 hogs right across the lake if he wasn't curing some country hams and slipping them over across the border? That's why the crowd came out to chase Jesus away. Okay, Jesus, you know, we're all for health and wholeness and restoration of people, but 
the cost of mental health is just a little too high for our town if we have to sacrifice 2,000 pigs every time you get a hankering to heal somebody. There's always a price. There's always a cost to recognizing our common humanity when we reach out to one another. But Jesus reminded us that the commandment to love one another is exactly the same as the commandment to love God. Loving one another is how we love God. And we can't do that until we recognize that we share the same humanity. And sometimes it costs us, but we only need to let go of things that aren't helpful anyway.